Morning, church. It is so good to be with you today. Um, I was uh, browsing Facebook yesterday, and uh, just kind of as I was decompressing from the day, and uh, I came across a, a feed that I'm a part of um, some other youth pastors in the country, uh, national. We have a, a group. We don't really know each other that well, but we just encourage one another. And one of the comments on the group was, uh, who's ready for Youth Pastor Sunday? And I said, yes, amen. And then, and then the next comment was, anybody have any notes you'd like to share? <laughs> so I am prepared, more prepared than that guy. Uh, I'm ready to go. So it's going to be good today. But uh, I want to welcome anybody that might be here for the first time. Uh, we're excited that you're here. We're excited that you chose to be here at our church this morning. And uh, for those of you that call TFH your home, I'm so happy to see you. It's, it's a privilege to be able to speak to you. And uh, we just love seeing you each and every Sunday. And I do want to echo as well, as, uh, as Pastor Peter said too, congratulations for making it out today. You guys have made it through uh, this past week. You're just about through the holiday season. And uh, I don't know, just by show of hands, how many of you would agree that it's been a busy time? Busy time of the year. Yeah, a few of you would agree. Some of you have likely been to uh, multiple family, friends, or, or holiday dinners. Maybe you've even made your own. Uh, quite possibly, you maybe even have a unique holiday tradition that doesn't feel all that unique to you, but the moment you say it out loud, you realize, this is really strange, right? What, what do you mean you don't do that? Um, for a quick second, I just want to advocate for my holiday beverage of choice, and this is two parts eggnog, one part Coca-Cola, and all parts Christmas spirit, okay? You're welcome. Enjoy that next, next Christmas. You will be a better person. I encourage you. You will be a better person just by enjoying this drink, okay? I promise you, you will. If you take nothing else today, two parts eggnog, one part Coca-Cola. It's delicious. Church, we've, uh, we've had a, a lot of great things to celebrate this past year. I have absolutely loved coming on to this wonderful team and being a part of this community. But even as we move forward and look to this new year, I get so excited about what God is doing in the physical building of our church, but also in our different ministries, seeing lives changed and people come to know God. This past year has been an intense season. It's okay to call it that. It's okay to call it intense. I think it's important that we don't misunderstand that intense doesn't mean it's at all bad. But for many of you, as we approach the new year, putting this year behind you, and, and moving on is something you're looking forward to. For a lot of us, it, it's been a year of celebrations, important anniversaries, birthdays, family events, maybe even a life-changing moment in your faith journey. Whichever it's been for you, there's some of you that would relate in your description of this past year as intense. Anyone been through an intense season of life? Yeah, a few of you. Of course, most of us have. I don't know about you, but I'm not a fan of certain surprises. Uh, I don't know what's come over my wife, Elise, but she has this rare condition that makes her enjoy scaring the life out of me whenever she can. Uh, I have to admit, I don't like the toddler that comes out when I'm frightened. Um, my body freezes up, limbs begin moving involuntarily, and sounds come out of my mouth that could be used in any thriller movie. Um, but also, talking about surprises, the surprise of losing a loved one is hard. For us personally, losing my grandma this Christmas season was difficult. Realizing uh, relationships have come to an end, maybe. Losing a job. There are just certain surprises that we don't want and certainly wouldn't choose. How many of you know that there are certain surprises that we're just not prepared for? 
That being said, many of us have just come through a season of surprises that we enjoy. Exchanging gifts to one another, celebrating the holidays. It's, it's easy to enjoy and look forward to being surprised during this time of year. There are certain surprises we look forward to and even experience great joy in. Where I feel convicted and called to speak from today is this idea that as a community of believers, some of us are still surprised by what God can and is currently doing in your life. We've come to the end of another year, and we're still shocked each and every time we see God come through in our situations, in our relationships, our work, our family, even our faith. I believe that the Holy Spirit has given me a word for today, and I'm excited to share it with you. And I, I believe that this word is prepare. Prepare for the ne this next season. Prepare for this next year, the next challenge, the next relationship, the next miracle, the next thing God is going to do in your life. Without being too hasty, what I want to challenge us to do, and I, I think it's actually going to be a lot of fun this morning as we do this, I want us not to forget about this Christmas and this year, but I want us to look with anticipation to next Christmas and next year. So let's pray together as we start this morning. Father, thank you for this incredible community. Thank you for everyone that's here today. Whether they believe in you or not, God, we're here for a reason. We pray that we would meet you this morning, that you would speak, we would hear your voice, and that our lives would be changed. We pray this in your name. Amen. I love this time of year, church. Okay, I, I believe my, the best version of me comes out during the holidays. But uh, just before the new year, I, I really love it because honestly, when we, when we talk, most of us are more open to the work of God in our lives. Most of us are. I, I don't know if you've ever considered that, but often this time of year is a time when we begin looking at how we can improve our lives, how we can make changes. Let me just say, I have made a few personal goals, and I'll be working hard to accomplish those. I'm not going to tell you what they are, but I'm going to work hard at them. As I was praying and preparing for, for this week, I want you to know that I feel so strongly for each and every one of you. I'm believing that this is going to be a momentous year for you. It will be significant for you. It will be significant for your future. It will be significant for your career, for your family for your church, for your life. At the very least, it could be. As I reflected on the word prepare, another word came to my mind. Our habits came to my mind. I couldn't get over the idea that our habits matter. Our habits matter. If someone is spiritually thriving and they're close to God, they're consistently living the disciplines that help them grow close to God. The same can be said for anyone who is disciplined in specific areas of their life, whether it's finance, whether it's business, relationships, or anything at all. The areas in which we are most disciplined is the area that we find the greatest success and personal joy. It's all about small things. Small things done consistently ultimately lead in direction towards something big, being impacted over time. If you look at, let's say, who was successful in Scripture, I don't think anybody would argue that Jesus was incredibly successful at pleasing God. I think they would also say that Paul is another good example who was successful at pleasing God. 
If you look at their lives, we're going to look at both of them today. One thing I can tell you is that Jesus never, ever said, but I just can't find the time to pray. I'm so busy and these disciples, they're wearing me out. I wish I had more time to spend with God, but I just don't have the time. Jesus never, ever said that. What you'll see is a, is a consistent habit of breaking away from the crowds to have intimate fellowship with God. You'll probably acknowledge that this is a good time of the year to talk about habits because this is the time of year that you'll likely create New Year's resolutions. I love that. I think that's great. It's, it's awesome. Good for you. I celebrate you. I love that we want to change. That's the good news is that people want to change. But I encourage you today to focus on the word habit rather than resolution. Here's why. The bad news is that according to studies, 80%, 80% of our New Year's resolutions will be gone by Valentine's Day. That's the bad news. Remember last year? <laughs> you had the goal, you had the resolution, and for most people in most cases, it didn't last, right? And you end up feeling like Paul in his writings in Romans 7 where he said this, I don't really understand myself. <laughs> I want to stop eating junk food. I want to stop procrastinating. I want to stop overspending at Costco, right? Whatever it is. I want to do what is right, he says, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. I, I want to do what's right, he says, but I can't. I want to do what's good, but I don't. I don't want to do that which is wrong, but I do it anyway. I paraphrased a lot there, but he actually says it this way in Romans seven fifteen: I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. Then he does what so many of us do. He connects his failure to his identity. And he says, oh, I am such a miserable person. What a failure. I'm not disciplined. I'm not becoming more like Christ. What a terrible person. Now, you don't have to answer, but I'd imagine some of you might be feeling this way today. You've connected your failure in whatever arena of your life to your identity. And you've allowed yourself to then believe because you failed at something, you yourself are a failure. Paul does something powerful. And he, he really sets it right for us. He asks the question, and we see him shift his, his, his thinking here. He says, who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? This excites me so much. This is the solution. This is the answer. He looks to the source, the only one who can truly change him. And he says, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord who can change us who can deliver us, who can set us free. Christ is our source. Christ is our strength. Christ is our healing. Christ is our hope. Christ is the one who makes all things new. Christ is the way. We could end this message here, and we could live our lives very differently if we took that perspective. Christ is the way. How many of you had a Christmas dinner? Anybody have a Christmas dinner? How many had a fantastic Christmas dinner? Yeah, a few more hands went up. <laughs> the first question didn't quite cover everybody. Did, most of you ate pretty good. Do you know what the secret ingredient to every meal is during the holidays? Gravy. <laughs> yeah, gravy. That's true. Bless gravy. It's preparation. If you woke up on Christmas morning and decided, I'm going to cook a full Christmas dinner, you're probably out of luck. 
Either everything's closed or it's already gone. I doubt Shoppers Drug Mart carries turkeys, okay? There were people planning for weeks, planning for months, days on days in advance for what they were going to experience in one day. It was beautiful, so nice. And then in 30 minutes, it was gone, right? Then you eat a couple more times in the evening. It took preparation. It took preparation. Our preparation and the habits that we subsequently form this next year are going to be essential to the breakthrough that we're going to see in our lives. Many of us have habits of living quite haphazardly in different areas of our lives. We often operate out of a a place of reaction. We react to what happens around us, and we're not always proactive to make things happen. Think about that for a second. Let me encourage you with this. This next year, it can be different. Ask yourself these questions. Where am I at? Where am I really at with my faith? Your journey may look entirely different from someone else around you, but church, none of us have arrived. None of us have arrived. None of us have reached anything close to perfection. You might be successful in in relationship with those around you, even successful at work, in business, yet your attitude and your general demeanor toward other believers is critical and judgmental. Maybe you don't consider yourself a person of faith. Maybe you're here today and the things you believe about church and Christians are being challenged. You want to see if this works for you, but you don't know where to start. Maybe you've been through a season of loss and you don't know how to pick up the pieces and start again. Let me encourage you with this. We all have new habits that we could form. Each and every one of us has new ways of growing in our preparation to get to where we want to be. It's not a bad thing if you're not where you want to be. Just to be clear, if this church was a club that only accepted perfect people, we wouldn't have anybody in attendance. God wants to bless who you are, where you are, not who you pretend to be, but where you want to be. That's an important distinction. Many people have a problem getting to where they want to be because they don't acknowledge where they're at. What's actually happening? What's actually going on in our lives? Do we invite God into it or do we try to do it on our own? How many of us regularly say, and in different ways, it can sound differently, it can look differently, hey God, I need your help. Hey God, I need your viewpoint. Hey God, I need more of you because I'm running a little low. Hey, God, whatever it looks like, in whatever situation, many of you do. Many of you invite him in. But see, I think that this is really important to understand. As we develop habits in our preparation to grow and get to where we want to be, those small things, small decisions, lead to unexpected results in big ways. Ephesians 3, 20, 21 says it this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. This verse is concluding Paul's prayer in this passage, which began in verse 14. And no matter how bold our requests may seem, God 
can do all we ask and much more. That's so good, church. Think about that. Think about what you want to ask God for. Prepare for it. God wants to do more than that. Think about what you want to ask God for. Prepare for it. Then God wants to do more than that. More than you can imagine. Many times we're, we're looking for God to do the unexpected, but God actually wants to exceed what we're already expecting. It doesn't matter who you were, where you were, what you've done, where you've been. God's means for accomplishing more than we can imagine comes through his strength. His work is done by the Holy Spirit's power within us rather than by our human strength or ability. As Jesus taught his apostles, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. See, with Christ, he takes all things and makes them new. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. If anyone is in Christ, if any one of you is in Christ, you are a new person. The old is gone and the new has come. Many people have developed unhealthy habits of living in who you used to be before in inviting Christ into your life. But here's the thing. When you make the decision to follow Jesus, you become a new creation entirely. The old is gone. The new has come. Which means you can't live in the newness and still hold on to the old. As we mature and as we grow in Christ, we live in that new creation, but yet so many of us hold on to what we used to have. I want to show you this. I'm actually going to come down and show this to you here. This is important that you see this because uh, I did this at youth and uh, it's just really resonated with me in my life. So I'm going to share this with you. Oftentimes, many of us come into church with our stuff. We come into church with things. We, we have a bag full of it. We come to church and we're prepared and we take a seat. We sit down at church with our bag of stuff and we hear a fantastic message and uh, we feel moved, we listen to the music, and we, we are touched, and, and we have an experience with God. And what happens is, is you take your stuff, and you say, I'm at a position, and I'm at a point where I want to give this to God. I'm ready. I want to trust him with my stuff. I want to trust him with this garbage. I want to leave this with him. And you have an encounter, and you leave it. And you have an experience, and maybe you lift your hands. Oh, for the first time, you lift your hands. Maybe for the, for the second time, maybe you get on your knees. Maybe you have an experience during worship. Something comes over you and you decide to leave it. Maybe during the message, you, you feel the Holy Spirit touch you and you commit to living for Jesus. But then what happens is, is because we're so used to doing it, when we're finished, we pick up our bag and we leave. Thanks. <laughs> we're so used to carrying it that we come to church prepared to hold on to it. We feel moved and touched and we maybe give it up. But then when we leave, we've, we've become so used to having this in our lives that we walk away with it again. That we pick it right back up and we say, well, I'm going to continue to struggle with this because this is comfortable. For many of us, not all of us, but for many of us, we have that habit. My prayer is that you will not only experience all the life available to you in Christ, but you would live out the disciplines that lead to a God-honoring, God-pleasing, successful life. Success? Success really is just an indication of good habits that are consistently practiced. 
I believe people mostly have genuinely good intentions. We want to lose weight. We want to do whatever it is, insert here. <laughs> but we fail again and again and again. Why? We focus on the what, but we don't understand the how. It might be a good idea to write this down. We focus on the action that we want to perform, the thing that we want to accomplish, but we don't understand how to get there. We have to be careful because what does our enemy do? Our enemy tries to connect our failures to your identity. You failed, so you are a failure. You did bad, therefore you are bad. That's what happened to Paul. I try to do what's right and I, I don't do it. What a miserable person I am. But you look at some of the most effective people in God's word, you see people who battled with identity issues. Isn't that encouraging? Wherever you're at, wherever you are at, the person you are is qualified to be used by God. Once you've accepted Christ, you are a new creation. But no single action will change your identity. Consistent actions over time start to change how you feel about yourself and change your identity. You can absolutely become a Christ follower by choosing to live your life for him. But then you are called to steps of further maturity as you begin to develop habits out of that new mindset and posture toward God. I want to be like Christ because if I'm like him, I'm full of love, full of grace, full of truth. I actually end up reflecting his love to the world. I want to be like Jesus. Conform me to his image is my prayer. If I'm working to become more like him, I learn and begin to know who I am, the new creation. Then, my response to the, to the world around me and the situations I face are managed with a Christ-like dependence and perspective rather than on my old self. That's why so many resolutions fail. That is why. We plan for big, huge, massive changes, but we don't actually plan to be consistent. Calibrate. I loved that. We plan for massive, life-altering changes, but we don't plan to be consistent. We promise resolutions, but we don't develop real, solid habits. The same is true when it comes to your relationship with God. Write this down if you're taking notes. Truly God-honoring people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Truly God-honoring people do consistently what other people do occasionally. You ever done a self-review? <laughs> it's tough. It's hard. Being honest with yourself is the worst. That's why I, I work really hard to, to surround myself with people who are brutally honest with me, about me. <laughs> One of the best questions I was ever challenged to think about when it comes to, to work and when it comes to self-review was this. What's it like to be on the other side of me? Whew. I dare you to have someone ask you that. <laughs> I dare you to have that conversation. If you're willing to hear what others have to say, you just might begin to find yourself developing habits that are shaped after your desired outcome. If you could take a moment and ask someone, what's it like to be on the other side of me? Do I reflect everything that I say? Do I reflect the kind of person I'm trying to be? Do I reflect Christ? Watch out for the answer.
That's a sure way to determine the answer to the question, where are my habits at currently? The odds are very high that, that we've, all, we've all got some habits. Um, all of us do. Maybe you uh, just normally get up with no alarm. Anybody? Does anybody get up without, without an alarm? Wow. I want to be like you. That's amazing. I need three alarms. Maybe three? Four? Yeah. <laughs> I looked at Elise. Um, you probably got up the next day. You probably get up tomorrow without an alarm as well because you probably did something similar to that the day before. You probably went to the bathroom somewhere early in the day and you probably did something like that the day before. Maybe you check social media or you check your email. Maybe you read your Bible, do a little workout, perhaps make some coffee, maybe make some food. You probably took a shower, which is good, right? Which is good, amen? You probably got to work a similar way as you did the day before. You probably worked with the same people, did similar things. You probably got home the same way. What's scary is that you probably don't remember the drive home. You just kind of automatically get there. You probably had a normal evening routine. You might even have a normal routine with your kids. You put three kids in the bathtub, one escapes. You always find that kid, throw them back in the bathtub, right? Once the kids are done, you have an evening routine. It might be that, that you look at your social media, you binge watch Netflix. It could be that you spend prayer time or you journal. At the end of the day, maybe you, you lean over to your spouse thinking tonight's going to be the night. You get rejected again. <laughs> you, go to, you go to bed upset, right? Whatever your routines are, I don't know. I don't know what they are. Chances are, chances are there were a lot of similarities to the days before. Most of what, or at least much of what you normally do, isn't a result of conscious choices, but of daily habits. Much of what you do every single day is not a result of a decision that you make, but a habit that you already have in your life. Much of what you do every single day is not a result of a decision that you make, but a habit that you already have in your life. So, January 1st, in the spirit of the new year, talking about resolutions, what's the likelihood that your decisions and choices will be immediately different just because you set new goals? Probably pretty low. You've got to prepare, make small steps, recalibrate, develop new habits that become part of your routine. I was thinking of Daniel in the Bible. When you think of Daniel, most people uh, think of him in the, in the lion's den, Daniel in the lion's den. That's an amazing story. If you don't know it, if you, you've got to check it out. Basically, he had this intense face-off with a bunch of lions and, and survived. He was an incredible man of faith, and it's, pretty, it's, it's really amazing. You should read it. This isn't all we need to look at, though, when it comes to Daniel. So I want to share this with you. There, there were 120 young leaders that, that Daniel, that, who stood out in the nation, and Daniel was one of them. And of the top 120, Daniel stood out amongst all of them. He stood out amongst all of them. Here's what Scripture says in Daniel 6.3. Now, Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps, which are a provincial governor in the ancient Persian Empire, just so you know, Okay, so he so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Wow. The question that came to my mind is, what's with this Daniel guy? He's amazing. I'm hooked. What made him so special? What was different? He became popular with the king. He, he, he was in line to be promoted. And now what happens is, is that there were a lot of people that didn't like him. And maybe some of you would relate, but anytime you rise in success, you have people that don't like you. 
And so his enemies decided to try to take him down. And, and what they did is they looked for any kind of weaknesses, any kind of flaw in his character, any kind of defect, so they could trip him up. But they had a problem finding it. Scripture says this in verse 4. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. So what they wanted to do is they wanted to trip him up. They, they couldn't find any flaw or weakness, so they determined the only way we can trip him up is to do something about his God. This guy is so into his God, that that's the only chance we have of getting him to make some kind of mistake. So what they did is they, they tricked the king into issuing a decree that if anyone prays to anyone except the king in the next 30 days, that they would be thrown into the lion's den. Daniel stood out. He stood out. I, I believe there was one very small habit that over time shaped his identity and, and gave him confidence to be who God created him to be. Daniel 6.10, check this out. Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. Here it comes. He gave thanks to God just as he had done before. Every single day he stopped. He sought God. He listened for the voice of God. He brought his burdens before God. He petitioned to God. He let God direct his steps three times a day as he had done before. He prioritized his life around intimate time with his heavenly father. Well, that's great, but what's the point? He developed a habit. Fellowship, intimacy, time with God. Truly God-honoring people do consistently what people do occasionally. Wow. Our God loves to take small acts of faithfulness and do something incredible. The, the, the truth is, the truth is, before we ask, what do I want to do? We need to ask, who does God want me to be? Who am I supposed to be? A godly parent, a bold witness, a servant-hearted person, free of addiction. Who do you want to be? Who does God want you to be? My Jody up. Based on that question, how will you prepare for what's next? Who does God want you to be? What's the one habit that you need to start executing? Based on, on who God is calling you to be, what is one small discipline that will move you in that direction? Just take a moment. What is one small discipline that will move you in that direction? Because listen carefully. This is my word of caution to you. It's better if it's not big. Something small, done consistently, will develop a discipline in your life that will lead to greater impact and maturity as you form that habit. Many of you, maybe even without knowing it, came today thinking, what's next for me in 2020? Now what? The mistake we make is assuming that what we expect from God, even based on our habits, will be exactly what we aimed for, what we hoped for. 
You've got to have 2020 vision this year. See what I did? See what I did there? 2020, 2020. <laughs> You've got to be dialed in, committed to living in faithfulness, committed to living faithful to God. And he will take what you expect, what you're planning for, what you're preparing for and exceed it. He wants to see you rely on him in the small things so that he can trust you with the big things. The big results, long-term goals, those are great, church. But God wants to see a single act of faithfulness and obedience starting now, starting today. You're not successful when you get more. You're successful when you're faithful. Maybe you've got some unhealthy habits that you need to give up because they're not leading you toward Christ, but potentially drawing you away. Imagine this. Close your eyes for a moment. Imagine God rejoicing over you when you're faithful in one small thing. What joy. What incredible joy. You can open your eyes. When you start to do these small things, they're not just actions. They begin redefining your identity. I can assure you, this year will be life-changing for some of you. One day you'll, you'll wake up and you'll realize because of these habits, because I've prioritized fellowship, intimacy, time with God, Jesus not only dwells within me, but Christ in me is stronger than the wrong desires in me. I am a self-disciplined, light-shining, spirit-filled overcomer. And there is nothing, there is nothing that can distract me from the purpose that he has. I know who I am. I know whose I am. And there's nothing that will separate me from this love that I have for him. I wouldn't give it up for anything. I will not compromise. So, as we enter into the new year, let's love one another. Let's love each person in this room by encouraging each other to develop habits that lead us to be more Christ-like. And I can assure you that we're going to see God exceed our wildest imaginations this year. He's going to exceed our wildest expectations this year as we develop these habits. Let's pray together. God, this is a time of new beginnings. The past we cannot change can reflect on all that's happened and move into a new relationship with you, into a new understanding of what you want to do in our lives. God, I just pray that your light would shine on us, that we would experience your love in a powerful way, that we would be encouraged to use our gifts and talents to serve others. God, I pray that the light of your love would shine through us, that others may come to know you, in this time of new beginnings, new hope arises. Give us courage to reach out for the dreams and hopes. Give us confidence that we can accomplish much for you. Thank you for all you've done, God. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for bringing us to this moment today, this place today that we would lean into you this coming year, that we would make a change, that we would recalibrate, we would reposition ourselves to look to you 
as we desire to become more like you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.